One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast on a day six in which we have lost Novak Djokovic. That is careless, isn't it? Well... Perhaps he was a little bit careless. Up against Sam Querrey. Querrey dominated him for two sets, as we talked about last night, and eventually came through in four today. What a seismic shock it was. Four Grand Slam titles in a row. Djokovic had won the first man to do so since 1969 and Rod Laver, but he will not be winning a fifth. My name is David Law. I'm joined outside the press room in a dimly lit sky here at Wimbledon by Catherine Whittaker and by Simon Briggs of The Telegraph. I don't quite know where to start. I'm not really sure what to say about Novak Djokovic losing a Grand Slam match, Catherine Whittaker. We just, we just don't know what that's like anymore. Yeah, it's certainly the biggest shock uh, since I've been coming to Wimbledon. Uh, really? Yeah, I mean, I'd be reluctant to say sort of the biggest shock in my memory because obviously there are, there are you know, George Bastille and, and Pete Sampras sticks in my mind, but probably this... Probably this is right up there. Sampras was a bit of a fading force by then. Djokovic absolutely at the peak of the game and his powers. Exactly, and of course there are others, but yeah, this is on a par with, I certainly can't think of any off the top of my head or haven't been able to uh, that match this one. Um, even as things were overnight, nobody saw this coming, apart from Charlie Eccleshare, who probably deserves a mention because he tweeted earlier today he thought Djokovic still would lose in four, which is exactly what happened. And, and at the time, I sort of agreed with him, but wasn't nearly confident enough about it to stick my neck on the line. So, uh, yeah, well done him. Credit also to Philip Studd, who on the podcast last night, who had been courtside, sitting court level uh, for the Novak Djokovic match, reporting for BBC Radio 5 Live. He said on the podcast last night, last night after it went to his love, I still think he'll come back and eventually take him out. And that's what he did. Simon, what were your thoughts? I mean, you've been around now for a few years. You've seen some pretty big shocks here with Nadal going out to Lucas Russell, yeah. things like that. Where does this one sit for you? Yeah, I was thinking about the Rosal one, which was interesting because at that point, nobody was beating the big four early in tournaments, any of them. Um, I, I sort of felt that was, in its impact, was so sudden. This one was spread over two days. Maybe that, 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 that wasn't quite as much of a shock because you kind of began to get used to the idea last night a little bit. Um, also, I think we did have a little bit of a hunch that this might be a tricky tournament for him. I think we did say that in the pre-tournament podcast, didn't we? Well, it was a bit of an unknown. I think we, we all agreed that, the, I mean, winning the French is not something he'd ever done before. That emotional high and, and then the, the regrouping, I suppose. We did raise it as, a, as, as, a, as an issue in somewhere that he hadn't been before. Um, now, when you listen to Novak in the interview room, I don't know what anyone else thought here, but... He clearly 
was trying to imply it wasn't solely a tennis-related defeat. And there was, it was a curious one because he sort of tried to point to wider factors without really wanting to say what they were. I wondered if there was possibly a family issue in it because he specifically said that he wanted to get back to his family and spend more time with them. Um, but he was trying to tell us that there was a wider issue involved, but he didn't want to say what it was. It was one of those where, yeah, I think he was, he was itching in a way to sort of make people realise that normal Novak Djokovic would have played better than he did today. Maybe he still would have lost, of course. But at the same time, he was trying to be fair and give some credit to his opponent for winning. But I think he was torn, in a way, and, and kind of did both or did neither at the yeah, same time. I think if, if you're going to say that it wasn't just my tennis, then you kind of almost owe it to the audience to go a little bit further than leaving it hanging and us all speculating and, and all kinds of crazy rumours going around, which they have been, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the more lurid ones will prove to be way wide, wide of the mark. But I can tell you there have been some pretty lurid rumours being transmitted around the press room. And also <laughs> McEnroe weirdly said on TV that he didn't think we'd see Novak at the Olympics, which uh, set another hair running for a little while. He was certainly very non-committal about when we'll next see him again. There was nothing specific about the Olympics. What there was something specific about was the Davis Cup tie with Great Britain, which he was pretty clear that he won't be playing. Um, not that that's any great surprise, but I think the uh, veracity with which he ruled himself out of that was... Uh, well, I was a bit taken aback by it, but obviously heat at the moment. But yeah, he was pretty non-committal about when we'll next see him on the tennis court. And obviously he came to press pretty much immediately, didn't he? So it was all very, very fresh and, and uh, yeah, it was the heat of the moment. But still, I, I do think there's a question mark there. Do you know, though, it's not unusual. If you think about these top players when they suffer defeats, think of... Think of the losses that Andy Murray's had and some of the press conferences we've had afterwards at press conference where he will leave a question mark about his participation in, in the next big thing. Remember when when they... When was it the, 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 the quarterfinal of the Davis Cup they won and there was the question mark over whether he would play the ATP World Tour finals and things like that. It, I think we perhaps can underestimate... How, how hard these losses hit them at the mm. time. How raw it must feel. How, you know, I don't want to talk to you a lot, frankly. I'm doing it. I don't really want to. It's the gist that I get from it all. And to be honest, I'd probably be quite the same if it was me. Well, yeah, you say that. Although there's also another bizarre phenomenon that we experience as tennis media, which is quite a lot of the time players come in after defeats and give their best press conferences. Cath- catharsis. Not only that, but a sense of, of pressure expectation having left them. Murray is one for this. Murray can often be very um, engaging, insightful, and, and more open after he's lost than when he's got game face on, um, because game face comes off, you know, and, and, and he's actually, he's, he's relaxed. He's not happy, but he's relaxed because he knows he's not going to have to go out on the training court tomorrow and prepare for his next opponent. Very interesting. Sam Query, incidentally, is just being announced by uh, the voice of Wimbledon, who's had a bit of an eventful week, hasn't she? I mean, she, you know, she's been on more than I've been on Five Live, having to give rain updates. A full, uh, a full five-ish hours after that match was completed, because Sam Query had to go out and play doubles with Steve Johnson, who also scored an amazing victory today over Grigor Dimitrov, and they share a coach. So, pretty good Fourth of July weekend for uh, for Americans. Simon Briggs is just going to go and check on the screen when. 
when Sam, Sam Query is coming into the interview room, I think he might be coming in right now. So that'll mean that Simon Briggs has got to go and speak to him because that's his day job to go and write for the newspaper, the website for tomorrow. Anyway, Catherine and I will carry on having a chat at the same time. There's all sorts of people still milling around. When we look up into the heavens here, Catherine, it's very dark, isn't it? Not surprising that Nick Kyrgios and Feliciano Lopez have had to come off at one set off. Oh, hello, Simon Briggs is back. What's happening, Simon? I think we've got four minutes or something. Before. Four minutes. Four minutes Simon Briggs has got until the Sam Query press conference. What's your question going to be, your, your killer question to Sam Query? <laughs> well, there was a good quote from Craig Boynton. Did you hear that, Tom? Where he says, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. He wasn't talking about uh, Sam. He was talking about himself and his own coaching. I think he was being quite amusingly like, understated and, uh, and not, trying not to take any of the credit. But uh, I guess he must have played a role in getting Sam ready because it, it's not easy going out there doing it a second time against Novak when you've already had that moment last night when you must have thought, well, I'm really getting on top of him here. If you were to break it down into percentages, percentage that Novak Djokovic brought about his own demise, percentage that Sam Querrey won that match of his own volition, where, where, would you, where would you draw the balance? I'm a little bit hesitant to get involved in that question, but because I was simultaneously covering Andy against Millman, so... I'm actually not going to answer that, but I'm going to say that it was quite uh, a remarkable moment when the scoreline flashed up on centre court. The crowd went absolutely ballistic, which shows that, you know, for all his achievements, Novak is not loved here in the way that Roger and Rafa are. Um, and Andy promptly dropped his service game, <laughs> which he, he later on explained nothing to do with that. You know, I was only running through my head for 10 or 15 seconds, but uh, I do wonder because he, he made three unforced areas in that next game. And I just wonder whether he, he was experiencing a certain amount of cognitive dissonance. <laughs> it, it was a strange moment. I was in the commentary box at the time commentating on the Andy Murray match. We got a, a, a monitor with the Djokovic match on at the same time. And there was a rapturous reception from the crowd when that scoreline flashed up. Now, Richard Krajicek, who was with us in the commentary box, was, was absolutely outraged at this. He, he thought, you know, uh, show some respect centre court audience. I was trying to explain to him that, in my view, that was a partisan act, a reaction from the crowd more than an anti-Djokovic one. I felt it was, we're here watching Andy Murray. We know that Andy Murray keeps losing at the last to Novak Djokovic. Therefore, Djokovic is out. Our boy's got a better chance. That's my view. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, there is, there is a very strong argument that Djokovic doesn't receive the respect he deserves generally, but to say it's disrespectful to cheer, you know... I think he misunderstood it, is uh, what I'm saying. I think Richard Krajicek misunderstood that reaction. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, cheering on Andy Murray is no disrespect to John Millman, is it? I mean, and also, you know, let's... Djokovic has a very, very strong fan base. He is not loved like Rafael Nadal and 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 uh, and Roger Federer, and of course here like like Andy Murray. That is a fact. Um, make of it what you will. It, it may be fair, it may be unfair, but but that is a fact. You know, uh, Sam Querrey upsetting Roger Federer. I still think that there would be people cheering on the underdog to an extent, but then probably you know if it came to a fifth set, would revert to supporting Roger Federer. But it would be a different story. But. I, I, as a, I don't see it as a huge mark of, of disrespect. You can you can respect somebody without necessarily loving them and taking them to your heart. I can see where Richard's instant reaction came from, though. He he is somebody who appreciates Novak massively, and it did feel like, oh, let's all have a party. Novak's out. That's the way Richard viewed it at the time. I, I just think that that's not what the incentive for the or the the reason for the reaction was. Anyway, <laughs> beside the point, 
Simon Briggs, it does throw this thing wide open now, doesn't it? I mean, it, it is fascinating. We haven't known a Grand Slam draw without Novak Djokovic in the second week. When was the last time? I, I can't even remember the last time Novak Djokovic lost in the first week of a Grand Slam tournament. I think it was 2010. Off the top of my head, I think it was 2010. Um, so, yeah, it's a very... I, I, I think I wrote my piece. It's a post-Djokovic universe uh, this week. And, you know, it, it's like a Brexit of, of, of tennis, isn't it, for uh, the most unexpected outcome to, to, to have developed and shocked everyone and no one quite knows what, what to do next and everyone's head is spinning, including Andy Murray's in that service game after he discovered it. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. So... um Roger Federer suddenly becomes a much bigger deal. I mean, I, I think I, got, I clearly seem to have got it wrong about Roger. I, I, I said he'd go out on the, on the, on the, in the round of 16. Might, might. But he, but he, he, looked, uh, he looked pretty good against Steve Johnson. Looked pretty, pretty good against two Britons, neither of whom was particularly you know, on, on that same level that Johnson will be on on, on Monday. But he, he certainly seems to be moving extremely well. So, you know, Federer suddenly becomes a much bigger focus in that half of the draw. Catherine, who ultimately do you think is going to really benefit from, from the demise? As Simon Briggs goes off to that Sam Quarry press conference, Catherine, we've now got a number of players who have got poor records against Novak Djokovic in, in recent times, and suddenly none of them have got him in their path. I think Milos Raonic is potentially the biggest beneficiary of this result today. Of course, Andy Murray could ultimately be, but, uh, you know... They would never have met until the final, and I think Andy is is odds on to get to that final, regardless of what's going on in the other half of the draw. And I think had Djokovic stayed in, he would have been, you know, he would have had a good shout in in that 
in that hypothetical final. I see now Milos Raonic as, uh, you know, his eyes should be lighting up. He should probably be thinking about that final as a very serious, serious prospect. And I cast my mind back to the, the Queen's final and his speech during the uh, trophy ceremony for Andy Murray. He said, I hope to see you in a trophy ceremony hope to be doing this in three weeks time obviously with a slightly different result but it, they felt like you know pretty bold words that he was thinking in those terms then well if he was thinking in those terms then when Novak Djokovic was around he boy is he thinking in those terms now Sam Query's in to that interview room. It will be inter- interesting to see what he makes of it all uh, when he gets in there. We'll uh, obviously bring you a little bit more reaction from him tomorrow. Um, but Raonic, uh, I agree with you. There's, there's something about him. We've been saying it for a, f- a few weeks now. And uh, as Sam Query, the victor today over Novak Djokovic, walks past. My good, he's big guy, isn't he? Isn't he big? He's as big as me. Crikey. He just walks, you know, very relaxed, uh, quite confidently forward, and he's got that massive serve and massive forehand. He's going around the corner into the interview room. Anyway, what was I saying? Milos Raonic, a a very composed and and confident man and and seems to be increasingly coming out of his shell, as you and Gigi were talking about during the uh, the Aegon Championships at Queen's. I just watched him and commentated on him beating Jack Sock, who played really well really well and lost in straight sets to, to Raonic. A couple of minor wobbles in the match, but I mean, Sok is a big, powerful guy. He could not put a dent in Milos Raonic. I, I do feel, I, I, I think it would be fascinating if we get to a point where it's Federer against Raonic because the mind goes back a couple of years to the, the absolute thrashing that Federer handed out. Uh, I remember when everybody was slipping around on this dusty uh, hot centre court and Dimitrov and Djokovic were sprawling all over the place and you'd suddenly got this this little tiptoeing figure of Roger Federer who didn't miss a step and just dismantled Milos Raonic. Raonic though, different guy now. Those are the days, weren't they, of dusty hot centre courts. Boy, is that a distant that memory. Right? Um, oh, boy, would it be a different story this this time around, regardless of what Federer's form turns out to be, you know it's, it, everyone's talking about the fact that he hasn't really been tested, he's looked absolutely great hasn't dropped a set, has been the, the biggest beneficiary of the scheduling, he got his third round match done and dusted nice and early yesterday, so he's had plenty of time off, or will have plenty of time off before his fourth round, but he hasn't been tested, and I think even if he turns out to be in pretty fine fettle, he will still be very tested in that semi-final by Milos Raonic if it happens, and I think it would be neck and neck for who would go through and possibly even would give Raonic the edge. There is something about him this year. There really is. He looks so fit and strong and comfortable up at the net now. He's still not quite there. He's still, you know, approaching and not quite knowing what to do with himself when he's up there. But it feels like it's improving with every single match. I, I should check the stats on, you know, winning volley percentage because I'm sure it's going up match by match. We've just had an announcement for Agnieszka Radvanska's press conference. She was a straight sets winner today. Isn't it funny, this game of tennis and sport in general, how close to defeat she was in the previous round, and yet she managed to squeak through that. I think it was against Anna Konyu, wasn't it, of, uh, of Croatia, and then she, she wins easily today. Maybe the draw will open up for Agnieszka Radvanska, and we'll be having a story like that, because suddenly today we've lost Petra Kvitova, twice a champion, and she has suffered with this weather just about, more than anybody I would suggest because she was still playing in the second round today it's Saturday and 
Roger Federer is in round four. He's been in round four since yesterday. Well, she said after the match, I feel like I've been stuck in the second round vortex for the whole tournament. And that's not just the impression that she had. I mean, that it has actually been the case. Um, it took her ages to get on court for her first round to start with. And then once she got that done and dusted, she was plagued with exactly the same issues. I really feel for her. I'm not quite sure how anything could have been done much differently to, to change the outcome. And hey, Katarina Makarova played brilliantly today. I don't think... Kvitova has a brilliant record against fellow lefties, so it was always going to be tricky, and Makarova's pulled off upsets before, but but nonetheless, it's a shame, and there's definitely, some, as much as there's something about Milos Raonic, there's sort of the opposite with Petra Kvitova, the sort of the brightness in her eyes is dulled a little bit, and I'm, I'm a really big fan of hers, and I hope it, hope it comes back. Yeah, I, I, from what I'm told, or what I read at least, Makarova played really well today, so maybe that was a, a, a big element to that. But crikey, it is difficult, you know, some of these players trying to deal with these range situations. I mean, I don't know about you, I, 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 all I'm doing is sitting in a commentary box talking about it. I'm pretty exhausted. I mean, it's, it's, it's 8 o'clock at night or whatever it is. It's 9 o'clock at night, isn't it now? And, and just waiting around with the rain intermittently falling... I, I mean, the players, I think this is a bit of a leveller on, on a number of uh, degrees. And you saw today players like Andy Murray, they can handle it because they're used to it. And, and he was on and off three or four times. Obviously, it's a lot easier with the roof and, and, and the certainty that that brings. But uh, it is not just a physical battle this week. It's a mental battle too. And as we approach week two, it's going to be fascinating. Tomorrow is middle Sunday. And we're going to be here again, Catherine. I'll tell you what, the tiredness will soon slip away tomorrow because People's Sunday. You know, 22,000 seats went in 27 minutes today. 111,000 people applied for those 22,000 seats. There's no Federer on the list. There's no Djokovic. There's no Murray. There's plenty of others there. There's people like Serena Williams. Uh, and, and it's great to see the, 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 the appeal that this place has. Yeah, I was one of those, 111,000, trying to get a single ticket for my dad. I was there at 3 o'clock on the dot. Something went wrong, don't know what it was. Felt like I was ticking every box, but sorry, Dad, I, I failed. Uh, yeah, I mean, the demand is extraordinary. It doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, I mean, we know what the demand is for this tournament. People are pe- prepared to sleep rough on the street just for the chance to... Uh, to to have a ticket to a show court here so it doesn't surprise me in the slightest it's a treat for the fans for us <laughs> it's uh yeah it's one extra notch on the exhaustion meter but you know once we get back here and stuff like what happened today starts happening we'll be loving it but yeah there was a bit there was, you could, there was a bit of a collective groan amongst the uh the uh media contingent uh, when uh, that was announced yesterday we're a miserable lot aren't we hey we're miserable. Anyway, no, I know what you mean, Catherine. We're all being slogging our guts out. But this is fun, really. It'll be fun tomorrow. Uh, I don't suppose we've got an order of play for tomorrow yet, have we? Because, I mean, poor old organisers here. There's so much to take into account at every single turn. And I don't think yet they've actually worked out who's going to play tomorrow. Because, I mean, they've still been finishing off the matches just now. Well, apart from the ones to be completed, which will obviously 
have to be inserted in, and I'm sure that's what they're juggling around with at the moment. We've got Kyrgios Lopez to be completed. Is Nasonga? I was amazed at how bad Joe Wilfred Songa's record against John Isner is, and he's two sets of love down at the moment. In fact, that one may have completed, so could already have uh, made this podcast out of date, but he was certainly really struggling at the time that we started recording. So aside from the ones that have to be slotted in from today... <coughs> We know we'll be seeing Zverev Burdick for one thing, and then the other. That'll be interesting, won't it? It certainly will be interesting. That surely has to be on centre court because we'll only have the two, the two men's matches tomorrow, and of the two of them, the other one being Sousa Vesely. Uh, with all due respect to them, I think Burdick has all Burdick Zverev has all the elements of, you know, a really really exciting, exciting battle. It reminds me of when they. Um, made the decision back in, I think, 2002 to put Thomas Johansson and Andy Roddick on the centre court. And I think there were a few eyebrows raised at the time, but Andy Roddick was this up-and-coming 18-year-old that everybody was talking about. And uh, he completely justified it and caused the upset. I think Johansson was the 13th seed or roundabouts at the time. And, and uh, yeah, both, both players and the match completely justified being on centre court. And I could see Burdick... Uh, it's Zverev being similar to that tomorrow and I could certainly see Zverev causing the upset Wow, Catherine Whittaker calling the upset here on the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph Well, with the light fading I think we might as well just call it a day for now uh, because there's not too much other things to talk about Catherine Whittaker has got one there Can I mention one thing? Leighton Hewitt and Jordan Thompson winning through in the doubles. Leighton Hewitt, who just can't seem to actually quit playing tennis, hard as he might try, as many retirement ceremonies as he might be a part of, as many trophies as he might be handed to mark the end of his career. He just can't stop. He accepted a wild card into the men's doubles series, playing with young Aussie Jordan Thompson, and they won, I think, six... 1917. 1917 in a two-hour, 34-minute minute deciding set today can you imagine if they hadn't decided to make the first round of the men's doubles best of three instead of best of five they'd probably still be out there now I mean it was extraordinary and he would be fine with that and there was agro galore David what because was that? have you got a tape have you got a tape Sam Magro was on the court and he had issues with the fanatics they were going nuts it was agrotastic I can't believe you missed it oh I'm getting a recording of that <laughs> immediately uh, Catherine Whitaker with the Leighton Hewitt story Leighton Hewitt retirement style uh, that's the way he does things uh, we are the tennis podcast we're brought to you in association with the Telegraph thanks for listening to us all week we do appreciate it hope you're enjoying it we'll be back tomorrow on Middle Sunday see you then 